On October the 31st, 1517, Martin Luther posted 95 big questions which he believed faced the church of his day to a local church door in Wittenberg, Germany. 500 years later, I decided to post 95 new questions, one a week, to the web, questions which I believe the church must face in the 21st century. For the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, writes Paul the Apostle in his letter to the church in Rome, chapter 1, verse 18. Yikes! The wrath of God. What an ominous sounding phrase and one which makes all that talk of God's faithfulness that we've been exploring over the last few weeks sound a little like an oxymoron. The fact is though that Paul writes in Greek, but the Greek words he chooses are only ever vehicles, the best that he can find, to translate Hebrew thoughts and ideas into the language of his wider audience in order to bring the story of Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, the Jewish liberator, to the Gentile world as well. It was some years ago that I had the opportunity to ask the then Chief Rabbi, Jonathan Sachs, about the concept of God's anger in the Old Testament. I'll never forget his answer. It's perhaps better and far more accurate, he said, to understand God's anger as his anguish. It's a natural dimension of divine love, but never an emotion held in opposition to it. Sometime later, I remember sharing the story of Jonathan Sachs's amazing insight with another rabbi friend of mine. He smiled at me with one of those kind but knowing smiles and then said, well, if you're going to take Hebrew concepts and then build them into your Christian understanding of life, it probably makes sense to ask a Hebrew what the words you're reading might actually mean. But of course, even to those who read no Hebrew, all this should be obvious, because the most profound theological truth expressed in the whole canon of Scripture is that God is love. It's not that God approves of love. Love isn't a quality that God possesses, it's the divine essence itself. It is God's essential being. Therefore, God's anger, as we call it, is nothing more than an aspect of this love. And to understand it any differently must therefore be to misunderstand it. Now, my critics will, of course, respond that surely if God is love, God must also experience anger and injustice. But this misses the point. As the great 20th century theologian Karl Barth once explained, when we speak of God's anger, judgment, righteousness and the like, they're never more than repetitions and amplifications of the one statement that God loves. This is why we make a tremendous mistake whenever we juxtapose God's love with God's wrath or anger. But to speak of God's love in the same breath as God's anguish as an expression of love, makes all the sense in the world. The attempt to explain that God is love, but that God is also wrathful, 
is wrong-headed and it's nonsensical. There is no but. God is love. And what we've come to refer to as God's anger, well, it's all part of the same whole which consists completely of love. Any of us who've known the joy of raising children have also known the struggle of coping with and responding to their moods and rebellions. And yet no well-adjusted parent who truly loves their child ever seeks retribution for bad behaviour and wrongs done to them. For a loving parent, anger, much better termed anguish or frustration, is never violent or destructive. Instead, genuine love drives parents to serve their children devotedly and unselfishly, to overlook and to forgive shortcomings, often without any apology from them at all, let alone thanks. Jesus taught his followers to pray, Our Father, who is in heaven, Jesus encouraged us to think of God primarily as a loving parent rather than a cold judge. So now imagine why Paul, in Romans chapter 8, might have written these words. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Or as 1 John exclaims, God is love, before going on to explain, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear is to do with punishment. So I'll leave you with this important question. In your view, is Rabbi Jonathan Sachs right? Is it perhaps better and far more accurate to understand God's love as his anguish? a natural dimension of divine love, but never, ever an emotion held in opposition to it. I say much more about all of this in my new book entitled The Lost Message of Paul, which is out now. You can order your copy from openchurch.network slash lostmessageofpaul.